it's definitely the grip of a patriarchal uh, culture that believes that the only way to heal is through psychology. That the only way to, um, you know, in 1880s, <laughs> Freud created psychology, right? He cre- a man created this discipline to, I guess, explain emotion and explain behavior. And there's some great viability to it. I don't want to knock therapy. It's wonderful. But there is a fear. I think that I think S factor is just one of many, many, many different somatic embodiment practices that are coming like a wave forward, because I think everyone's beginning to see that the answer truly is through the body. Welcome back to A Sharper Life. I'm your host, Nikki Sharp, and goodness me, do we have a juicy and sensual interview for you today. I spoke with Sheila Kelly about sexuality, erotic beings, tapping into your feminine energy, practices that you can do today to find more pleasure in your life. We go into why women are living in their masculine and the challenges that these present in relationships, as well as how to fully embrace the divine goddess that you are. Sheila Kelly is the founder of S Factor, an author, a famous actress, and notable. Sheila Kelly is the founder of S Factor, an author, famous actress, and most notably is the body whisper to millions of women across the world. Through the feminine embodiment practices in S-Factor, Sheila's work empowers women to step into their erotic selves, reconnect to their vitality, sensuality, and leave behind fears that once gripped them. Celebrities such as Kate Hudson and Eva Longoria are known fans of these practices, as is truly yours. Sheila has been featured on TEDx, Ellen, Oprah, and is a regular speaker on stages across the world like Tony Robbins Platinum Partners, which is actually where I met her, and Mind Valley University, where she is the go-to authority for feminine empowerment, healing, and discovering. I hope that you enjoy today's juicy conversation. And without further ado, here's Sheila and all her divine wisdom. Sheila, welcome to the show. I am so thrilled to have you. And I wanted to jump in and I guess give the audience a little bit of a behind the scenes on how you and I met and why I fell in love with you, your practices and everything that you teach. So I joined Tony Robbins Platinum Partnership a few years ago and did the relationship program, which is in Hawaii. And I had no idea that you would be teaching. I didn't know about S-Factor yet or the magic behind it. And during the week-long practices that we were doing, I felt like a baby giraffe, right? We're doing all of these amazing... (laughs) (laughs) We're doing these amazing pole dancing classes and strip teasing and, and all to get into the body and release trauma and really come into your own. And it was funny because I have these long limbs and how every woman wants something different. I really learned my own weakness in your practices of being like, oh, I feel like a baby Mm. giraffe that's just been born and doesn't know how to coagulate all the limbs together. And it was such a beautiful and interesting moment, week, Mm. I would say, just to see the judgment that all of the women in the the room that we hold on ourselves while learning to Mm -hmm. not only strip are close and no, we weren't naked, naked, but no. giving lap dances to our fellow sisters and doing <laughs> this with the judgment in your head that you perceive. And I have to say, it was one of the most profound, incredible week long experiences I have ever had. Mm. Mm. So, girl, with, yeah, you did not look with, like a you did not look like oh a giraffe. You look like a goddess. Oh, and thank absolutely you. Absolutely took to you took to the pole like a fish to water, my love. Oh my gosh! Well, thank you, and I I think you you do have just this magic talent, really, the body whisper, mm-hmm. where you're able to connect with women. And so, what I wanted to do is just jump in and ask, what yeah. is S factor, and also what is it not? Mm-hmm. Because I know it's easy to misinterpret these very sensual and erotic practices. It is. It's a. It's been a, the challenge of the last twenty three years. I've been teaching for twenty three years. 
So what I, S factor is a feminine reclamation and embodiment practice. It's a lifestyle. It's a way of moving. It's a way of understanding that life through the body is a feminine practice and life through the mind is a more masculine practice. And we have all kind of um, bought into living through our minds and our intellect and our, 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 our cognitive figure everything out, rationalize everything. What's the logic behind it? And we've lost the art, the skill, and the beauty of what it is to be an intuitive, embodied feminine creature. And I'm not just talking female and male, woman, man, any gender. I'm talking about every human being on the planet has lost their feminine. And the feminine, as I said, is uh, through the body. She is nature. She is all that you see and experience and feel. She's the wind. She's the calm day. She's the ocean that's torrential. She's exploding volcano. She is all of this. And we have quieted her in such a way that when I first learned this movement for a movie role, which I'll get into, um, I was blown away. I has absolutely gobsmacked that this erotic goddess lived in my body because I'd always felt a little awkward, a little self-conscious, a little apologetic about myself and my body and my breasts. And so I had the same little hunched shoulders that most women I see in the world have. Uh, so this is a practice of reclaiming yourself, of coming you know, out of the gate saying, yeah, I want all of my body, all of my heart, all of my sensuality, all of my sexuality, and I want to have access to it. It's my body. I want to own it. Mm, that's in amazing. a world that, yeah, it's a it's a very volatile time for women to claim ownership of their bodies. And I've been doing this for, as I said, twenty three years. I've been uh, moving for twenty five years, teaching it for twenty three years, and um, right now we've hit this pinnacle point of. Uh, everyone, everyone, even the um, woman who didn't see this before is now seeing how endemic it is, how the masculine or the patriarchal culture has claimed ownership of the feminine body. And uh, we live under that oppressive gaze. So, so fascinating. And could you go mm -hmm. into a little bit more of what the practices are because I know when when you mm. Google S Factor and you see it and you go to a class, especially as the first time, it's like, okay, we're going to be stripping down. And, and you don't do that on class one, by the way. But there is this yeah. preconceived notion, I believe, of people, especially women judging other women, saying, what do you mean you're doing mm -hmm. pole dancing or stripping? Or why would you do that? And there's the insinuation that we're doing it for the man, for the partner, for yeah. our lover. So can you go more yeah. into what the practices are and how you discovered, created this and why you're so mm. incredibly passionate about it. And you are passionate. <laughs> it is so inspiring. <laughs> I'm super passionate about it because it's truth. It's right. It's the right thing. It is the right thing for a woman to own her body fully. And it is, a, it is the right thing for a man or masculine who identify her to own their body completely. For some reason, we all know why we live in a very masculine culture, men and those who identify as men are encouraged to live 110% in their body. Go Tom Brady, go uh, judge, hit your 60 second home run. But when a woman does it, she is castigated. She is spurned. It is an absolute atrocity to me that we live in this place and this space globally where a woman reclaiming her hair in Iran or reclaiming her ability to have or not have a baby or owning that ability is challenged. I, so, so what is S-Factor? S-Factor starts with the philosophy that your life begins and ends in your body. Your body is the epicenter of your life. And I know this speaks to you, Nikki, because I know you believe the same friggin' thing. Your body is where you live from. And your first breath, your breathing pattern is your rhythm. Your breathing pattern is your birthright. And it begins to move these natural, beautiful 
S-shaped curves of the feminine body in a way that is beautiful and pleasure-filled and intoxicating and the opposite sex in a heterosexual way or a cisgendered way is sees the feminine body moving in that way as erotic. I feel it as pleasurable. I feel it as fun. Uh, I feel it as celebratory. So I start with just your breath and I start your body moving in a circular way into the curves of your shoulder blades, into the curves of your shoulders, into the curves of your breasts, into the beautiful arch of your neck. And I just want to start you moving into the natural integrity of the shape of your body. I want you to find pleasure there because the feminine body is the epicenter of pleasure. And then I'm going to start you exaggerating your curves even more. So I'll start doing more upper body exaggeration. And it's all organic idiosyncratic movement, meaning I'm not going to give you a, you know, a certain jazz move or a piece of choreography. I'm actually just going to teach you how your body naturally wants to move, how your body with all the shame released, with all the shame taken away, your body will naturally ripple in this gorgeous, sinuous way, like nature, like a snake, like the water on the shoreline hits the sand, that beautiful, natural, curvaceous way. So then I will go deeper into a more overt movement, moving your hips, uh, moving your hips to the furthest reaches they can go and then winding your entire body and beginning the wind of your body. A lot of women are like, I can't do that. I don't know how to do that. You don't have to know how to do that. Once we get you into your deep breath, what I call your marshmallow breath, or once we get you into feeling the pleasure of what it is to live in a feminine body, your body will do it on its own. Once we let go of all the tension and all these judgmental thoughts we have, you know, because we have been taught that moving like that is bad. Showing that your breast like that is bad. Touching yourself, even if it's just the stroke of my hand down my neck, is bad. So we have to rewrite our own history, our history, into our present day right now, because it's being erased. It starts with the body, and it starts with the organic shape of the feminine body that happens to be an erotic creature. Mm. I just have to point out too, mm. as you're saying everything, you're moving mm. and touching yourself. And mm -hmm. I can hear and sense the breath that you take as you describe each motion. And it's, it's so beautiful and a reminder, mm. even for me, to pause, to yeah. contemplate. And I think... I very much have always lived in my masculine and it's been a mm -hmm. journey to come into the feminine. And I find with all the things and moving and packing and unpacking, it's, I feel like I have this constant to-do list and I even right now feel out of touch with my, my feminine mm. side. And so we'll, we'll get into that tips for people, but I just really want to acknowledge that even listening to you mm. is I can close my eyes and Hmm. feel the way that you're talking. It's really beautiful. Mm. That's beautiful. That's really beautiful. You know, it's a, it's an, it's been an incredible journey for 23 years because the minute you let women know or people know what you teach or what your philosophy is, they are with you all the way up till you say the word erotic. <laughs> it's so funny because, oh, you teach feminine embodiment, you teach reclamation, you teach, I love all this, this is badass stuff. But the minute you say that part of that reclamation, because there are three parts of your feminine that are shut down the minute we come out of our, our mama's belly, right? Your curve of movement, the way your body naturally wants to move, your sensuality, the way your body naturally wants to feel. And your emotionability, your emotability, which is the way your body moves emotion through her, squelched. So those are three very, very important parts of being fully expressed in your feminine. So once you get women to, they're like, oh, that's so cool. That's so cool. But the minute that you let them know that when you release all of these energies in your own life, you will release a lot of erotic energy. You will feel the erotic power 
immediately apology happens and shame happens and uh, constriction happens. And I wonder when those young boys are brought out onto the football field and the basketball court, and they're taught to be the most masculine version of themselves that they could be. Is there any shame there? Because we all, you know, we, um, I, who am heterosexual, find men to be incredibly erotic when they are living in their fullest masculine expression. When they're throwing that ball through the hoop or they're running that ball across the, the, the I don't even know what it's called, the goalpost. Court, yeah, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> that thing. So it just, it's still, it's still just flabbergasts me as to the, the inequity that we still live in. And we're still, most of us, blind to it and okay with it. I'm not okay with it. That's the passion you hear. Mm. Oh, I just, I love everything you're saying. And it was actually, a, you've already touched on it. A point that I wanted to bring up is that I think that we are still living in a pandemic. And I'm not talking about mm. COVID. Mm -mm. I'm talking about that women are living and breathing and acting out of that masculine yeah. energy as you talked about. And mm. I mentioned, I've dealt with this. I still deal with it. Yeah. It's, I don't think it's, it, you know, one day it just clicks and you're like, okay, I'm feminine now. It's, it's an ongoing embodiment practice, as you say. Yeah. And, and truly, as you said, 23 years for you, for me, it's been years. Why do you think that society is leading women to being in their masculine, lacking trust in themselves, whereas men are pushed to, mm. it's the fuck yeah mentality. So wh why do you think that is? And how do we get out of it other than just having every single mm. woman practice S-Factor, which I wish they all did? Me, I wish so too. Oh God, I wish every woman would just taste the nectar of her own uh, brilliance, her own gorgeousness, her own power. Because she thinks her power is in the masculine. It's not. She's never going to be as good a man as her masculine ca uh, counterpart's going to be. But she's going to be one hell of a fucking woman. And so what do I, 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 why do I think that happens? Because I think we have, uh, we, we, ha there's a beautiful book I love by Rianne Eisler called The Chalice and the Blade. And she speaks of a time in the lower Neolithic period of time where it is, it is theorized that we, we as a human, global human, we lived in a partnership society. It wasn't patriarchal. It wasn't matriarchal. It was both leading this beautiful society. It was a very evolved society. It had plumbing. It had all kinds of sophisticated architecture. It had beautiful figurines and, um, what has happened since that time, it was 6,000, 10,000 years ago, is we've become a patriarchal culture run by the masculine. And, they, and we, and they've created a culture, we've created a culture that values all that is masculine, the five masculine geniuses. And we have ridiculed and downplayed the five feminine geniuses. So to be of value to be somebody that is valued in this culture is to be strong in your five masculine geniuses. And so we all try our best to man up as best we can. And many of us are on the outskirts and never can quite get all the way into the inner circle of, of the fat of the masculine culture, because we're never going to be that never going to be that. So then we live in just maybe 50% of ourselves. And that other 50% is inside you, atrophying, in hiding, because you've been told all your life that that other side, that other 50% is, is weak. You've been told it's weak. You've been told it's frivolous. You've been told it's silly. You've been told it's giving over to men what men want. You've been told... Uh, that it's humiliating, all these things. Whereas if you take the masculine gaze away and you reclaim the other 50% of your potential through your feminine and you do it for you, 
There is no, there is no amusement park on the planet that will bring you as much joy as your own embodiment. No ride, no thing you can go do outside of yourself to have the thrill of aliveness as when you completely embody your feminine. That is the thrill of a lifetime. Mm. I would like some of that, please. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, you can live this every day of your life, Nikki. There are tools would, to yeah, live it all the time. I, I would actually love to know exactly that of, you know, someone who is not there yet, ready mm -hmm. to jump into a practice here, or those who are just living off of their to-do list, which I encounter often and can't find yeah. time to, and, and don't, I would say, don't even know what it means to touch themselves or be in that feminine state. So what are some easy things that you would say practices for women at that very beginning stage when they're mm. living highly in their masculine and they're like, I, I don't even know. Mm. I, I don't know. Help me. Mm. You know, that's a question I've been asked a lot over the, over the years. And I throw things out for people, but if you can't, one of the major tenets of what I teach is understanding that you have two minds. You have what I call the critical thinking mind, which is the mind we've all been trained to use. And it's the mind that has, you know, it's the critical thinking mind is the problem solving mind. It's always, it's always looking for a problem. It's the one that has the constant chatter. You got that. I got to do this. You got to do that. You got to do this. You failed at that. You suck at this. Da, 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 da. Your body sucks here. This is that. You're too fat. You're too skinny. You're too old. <laughs> That's the critical thinking mind. What people don't know is that we have this thing called a magical mind. So if I teach the critical mind tools, they're just going to think it's a to-do list. I'm going to do a hip circle. I'm going to do this. I'm going to touch myself. But until you can occupy the magical mind, it kind of isn't going to make a big difference, although I'll try to help people understand it. So the magical mind, the critical mind thinks that the body is here to serve it. The critical mind thinks I'm going to live this life and body, you're going to do exactly what I want you to do, which causes injury, which causes stress, which causes shutdown and suppression and repression. The magical mind, when you can turn on this part of your thinking process, believes that it is here to serve the body. Body, tell me, what would you like for more pleasure? What would you like for more euphoria? euphoria? What would you like for more bliss? What can we do to serve your experience on this planet? The magical mind understands that the body knows how to live her life on this planet better than the mind does. Turn on the senses, turn on the intuition, turn on the emotion, turn on the sensuality, turn on the pleasure, turn the body on like a beautiful heat-seeking missile. She will find your bliss. She will find your truest potential. She will find your, your, your euphoria. So I'm going to tell you that I have in the past said to people, stand up off of your desk and just do a hip circle. But don't just do a hip circle. I'm going to add to it. So I'm going to help people get into that magical mind. Do a hip circle, but do it. Go to, go to the bathroom, get into one of the stalls, lock the stall, put some music on, put some earbuds in, and then stick your tush back as far as you can. Arch your back so it feels really stretchy and yummy and gooey. And then do the biggest, slowest, roundest hip circle you can. Try to touch your hips on the inside of the stall walls and feeling and seeking pleasure. That's what the magical mind does. She wants to feel pleasure. I want to feel it in my lower back. I want to feel it in my left hip. I want to feel it in my right hip. I want to feel it all through my obliques, through my sides, through my waist. I want to feel it in my chest. And as I'm talking to you, as you can see, I'm doing it because it fucking feels good. And all of a sudden, the epicenter of my life begins to stir erotic feminine energy and starts to send that energy out into the world. You will become an absolute man magnet, lover <laughs> magnet, partner magnet. You know, this is true. You will become a magnet for a lover, for people, for energy, for careers, for animal. People want to be around enlivened 
powerful, sensual feminine energy. So that's a little get. I want to just see if your audience will just do that. Mm, I love it. Audience, will you? Will you? Will you come back to us and will let us you? know how how it feels? And, oh, I mm. I love that you as you you mentioned and I mentioned earlier. You're moving while you talk, and as I was yeah. listening to this it reminded me and brought me back to the practices that I'd done with you. So Mm -hmm. I did the week long intensive in, in person, which was incredible. And then Mm -hmm. the pandemic happened. So I know that you Mm -hmm. had to shut some studios. Everyone was affected from, from it, but what you did, which I think was genius was put it online, which is a tough thing to do in one sense online when you're like, okay, ladies lay on the floor and wriggle around and do this, but you brought in incredible (laughs) teachers and one thing that I I noticed during that six month program was the amount of mm. fear, the amount of shame, of guilt, yeah. of everything coming out just from a woman touching her left shoulder, or just from a mm. woman doing that hip circle. It yeah. it, it yeah. brought out. So, could you share with us? I guess from your experience of twenty three years of doing this, what's coming up? What's coming out? And is there a point in which the, the mm. mind clicks and is like, oh, wait, I don't need to hold on to this story anymore? Because you've experienced, I've experienced that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you, here's the thing, Nikki. Um, what I do is I teach the body to reclaim her fullest potential. Period. I mean, and, and so to do that, when all that negativity hits you from the time you come out of your mother's belly, Right. I don't know. I was four years old when I felt I remembered my first offense. I call it an offense. Right. The first time somebody criticizes my body or how I'm living in my body. My daughter was four years old when she was told to put her bikini top on in a public pool. I was told to put my T-shirt on 110 degrees in Philadelphia when I was when I think I was four or five. So we've all had them. Many of us don't remember because it's so normal. It's become part of the invisible fabric of shame that we weave into young girls and women. So guess what happens? Look at my hands. So we we weave this shame into the fabric of your musculature. We weave this shame into your fascia. And then your body forms itself in shame. And so Uh, If you can't see me, you're just listening. I'm lifting my shoulders and pulling them forward because this is a posture of shame. So many women, so many women have this posture. This is another posture of shame. I'm doing another posture. Can't see my lower legs, but I'm twisting them up. This is a posture of fear. So there is your every single part of your body has an emotional experience through life separate from what you think. My breasts have a different story than my neck. My shoulders different than my ankles. And so when you begin to hear the orchestra, the symphony of your body begin to speak to you and feel safe and feel seen and turn back on, you're going to turn on literally cells that have been shut down and frozen for however long you've been alive. So when you begin to wake all of this stuff up, all the emotion that you squelched back at that day and that time and that shame will need to move out of you. So that's why a lot of emotion might come up or or you've seen emotion come up and you've experienced emotion come up because what you're doing is you're literally breathing. You're breathing those stories out of you. You're releasing them. You're letting them go because all emotion is, is pure energy, right? It's emotion is a cue that comes into your body that tells your body take an action take an action. But if I don't take that action and I pull back into my chest and I collapse my chest, there it lives. So when I ask you to do an inverted spine circle with conscious awareness of the intention of opening up, stretching through this fascia, this musculature, and then I say, let your heart come out, that is going to give you permission to release all of this old toxic shit that has kept you smaller than you are. This kept you contracted into this little tiny box. You're going to break every fucking box that you've been put into. 
Does that help you understand? Because it's really powerful. It also lives in joints. So when I get your joints moving, this movement practice will find the fullest expression of movement through pleasure that you've ever done before. So you're going to, I'm going to ask you to move joints and move muscle and move fascia to different angles and different shapes into your fullest expression. Oh, I love it. And it's, it's reminding me of doing the strip and rise six month course where I, yeah, I was embodying everything. And I remember I, there was one time I had Mm -hmm. a, a fight with, with my fiance at the time and he went to another room. I went to my room. I put on the playlist, my S Factor playlist I had created and I danced and I, I just mm. moved. And I remember feeling such a release from it. And also <laughs> because I was, I was fucking angry <laughs> at that yeah. moment, but I was able to channel it through a really beautiful way. And in that community, mm. I shared it and everyone, you know, we, we talked about it. And so what I'd like to know then, this sounds like very somatic body work, right? We're getting into mm-hmm. the body. Are you a believer in in therapy if because the mind is the thing mm-hmm. that's creating the problems, which has a hard time creating the solution. So do you believe in therapy or do you think people really should only be doing that breath work, the body work, the feeling and touching? All of it. Okay. (laughs) All of it, whatever you have to do to heal yourself, you're going to heal yourself. No one else is going to heal you. There's no magic elixir. I'm not going to heal you. Your therapist is going to help you. I'm going to help you. I'm going to show you a path I took that really truly was. I mean, I spent many years in therapy. I love therapy, but it didn't take me to where embodiment took me. It didn't allow, it didn't, I could think my cognitive thoughts. I could understand the stories, but then I had to let them go. And that was through movement. And that is through movement and dance. And I love all kinds of movement, but the reason S factor exists is because I could, there is no other movement that um, embraces the erotic nature of the masculine and feminine body. And so allowing yourself to be overtly beautiful, overtly erotic and overtly free is something I'd never experienced. And I've done a ton. I was a dance major at NYU. I've studied somatics. I've studied trauma. I've studied lots of things. Um, Nothing has done for me and many, many, many of my students what this has done for, for me, for, for my body and for my life. So I often say, if you have a lot of known trauma in your body, and you want to do S factor, I often recommend you have a coach or you have a, a therapist with you so that you can process it with them verbally. Cause that's not what I do. I do movement. I do the freedom. I do the expression. I do the breath. I do the release. Amazing. So you've touched mm-hmm. on something that I actually was, we we're going to come into a little bit later, but you touched on it very early, which is a controversial right. topic in the sense of women's body autonomy and the right to choose. So whether it's <sighs> how they're dressing or expressing themselves freely without judgment, choosing what mm. they do with their bodies. Why do you think we have such a judgmental society, especially affecting mm. women's femininity and women to women really is a big cause of this as well. So I'd love to know your thoughts on this. Well, that's very, very complicated rat's nest that we have to actually take apart piece by piece to really, really do it justice. And I think we probably need a whole hour to do that, but I'm willing to jump right in there with you right now. This is a very passionate subject, as you can tell, uh, because I brought it up way at the beginning. Um, the number one thing, the thing that we all not don't know, and it's really, really important to hear me say it and then let it sink in. The most valuable natural resource on the planet. It's not gold, not diamonds, not oils. It is the feminine body. The feminine body brings life. The feminine body brings pleasure. The feminine body brings distraction with that pleasure. To own that feminine body is to own the babies, the pleasure, the beauty, the softness, 
To own that body means I can control how much that body shines and I can control that no other masculine entity is going to try and take what I own. I'm talking in a, in a, in a primal way when the tribal, when our, when our tribal community split into nuclear family units where we had land and he took a woman and he took a woman and he took a woman. And then my children inherited my land. When we became that kind of a dominator society, we women were divided and conquered. We lost our tribe. We lost our sisterhood. We lost our original family unit. And so what happened uh, is that when the feminine is free, when the feminine can be as radiant and extraordinarily luminous as she is intended to be, because she is intended to be that, then she distracts all the, all the bucks. She distracts all the bucks and then they have to fight over each other to get to her. I'm thinking primal. I'm thinking elk. I'm thinking the elk who fight each other and smash each other's antlers together and heads together. I'm thinking of all different species of animals that fight over the feminine, the chance to mate. It's very primal. And so when we are able to control and keep her and douse her and repress her, we think we're keeping her safe. But actually what we're doing is we're dousing both of us. Because when a woman is allowed and free to be as luminous and radiant as she possibly can be, her mate, her partner is going to have to get as big as she is to be able to protect her to be able to meet her, to be able to meet her in love and meet her as a fierce protective force. That's going to require a partnership society. It's going to require women demanding that. And that's happening in Iran. And and there is a fierce and violent backlash happening senseless killings of young, beautiful women who are uh, fighting back, trying to take ownership of their bodies back. I don't know how long it's going to last. I I have my fingers crossed. I have my heart crossed. I'm doing what I can do here in New York city, but it's a, it's a, uh, it's a difficult journey. This journey of, of, of rising. Rising is for heroes and heroines rising are for champions. So To be a part of rising, you have to first start with yourself and reclaim yourself. It's like the quote, be the change you want to see in the world, right? It's we, we want the magic pill. We, we go into victim mentality. We think someone's going to save us. We think, oh my God, right. Getting married. Suddenly we're going to be happy. And and quite the opposite happens that most people get into a marriage. and, And, and I will say even from myself, I've been married just a few months. We've been together about two years. And I recently have felt definitely more in that masculine. And I I find that I'm not that sensual, sexual creature. And I, I don't even reach over to try to touch him because I'm mm-hmm. not in touch with myself right now. And, and mm-hmm. I think that's the biggest part is really... Mm-hmm coming back to you and and stop blaming other people and taking ownership and saying, okay, what, yeah. what am I doing that's keeping me out of that sensual zone? And where can I take a step back? And I'd love to hear, I know you gave the practice of going into the, the toilet stall. And I love that for someone even like me, who's done the, these practices and the other people out there how do you get them out of their minds, which says, okay, but I, I have to do this thing today, right? It's I, I have to get this shit done, whatever it might be mm-hmm. in order to then feel back to you. Like what I'm, I'm the primest example of this to say, I know the practices, I know they work. I know I should be doing them. And yet I'm like, okay, so why am I not doing them? So what advice, I guess, would you have on that to someone who knows it's what I need to do? And yet it's like, oh, I just, 
I can't. God, right now. <laughs> Nikki, what a phenomenal friggin' question. Man, you are a good interviewer. Oh, thank you. Dang. You really, you go into the juggler of, of issues and I'll tell you what, you nailed it. What it is, is you've been sucked back into the rat race or shall we say the gerbil wheel of the patriarchal culture. As long as they keep us busy, as long as you keep you busy, keep you busy, keep you busy, you can't become the radiant force, the luminous force, the empowered force that... Uh, that will threaten the structure of the world right now, the structure of the patriarchal, domineering, authoritarian world that is erupting all around us, right? And, you know, it can't, you, can't be just women that are part of this journey of creating a partnership society. It has to be men. Men have to see the damage being done. They have to see that we are on the precipice of yanging out of control. So, Nikki, what I have to say to you is, and of, I, it's, it's, you're going to just knock yourself in the head, but it has to do with the absolute insistence that you come first. And I'm going to give you an analogy. This is what I teach. And I know you know this. What I teach is, you know, those champagne glass fountains at weddings, we put mm-hmm. the one at the top and then two and I want you to think of the feminine as the top champagne glass. And I want you to think, understand that she can only fill up all of the glasses underneath her kids, her dogs, her plants, her pets, her lover, her mother, her sisters, her friends, her workers. You know, the feminine is the life force on the planet. You know, the feminine is the caretaker on the planet, the feminine in all of us, right? So unless you are giving from an overflowing, abundant, full cup of pleasure and radiance and beauty, you are going to be giving from a, a, a ring, a wrung out rag, a wrung out sponge with little tiny drops of your sustenance left, which is where we get right. And you're going to get into a situation with this beautiful man that you're with where you're both manning up and you're both becoming linear you're both becoming rational you're both becoming logical and you're losing that you're you're running the risk of losing that extraordinary dynamic of polarity allowing the masculine to be as fully masculine in your relationship as possible so that you can be as fully feminine in your relationship. You have to have a morning practice. You have to have a daily practice. And there is a thing I call the three C's constantly, consciously cultivating your five feminine geniuses into the deepest, most soulful part of your life. If you you have to create, see, your magical mind will help you create this structure so that you can live in this place of pleasure and abundance and tenderness and what I call the, the elegance of the present moment, right? This elegance of, of the present moment is all the feminine has. The masculine is thinking way ahead and way behind, right? I got to move. I got to plan. I got to pack. I got to do this. I got to do that. I did that. I fucked up the last move. I got to do this. So we don't, we lose this beautiful moment where we can just sit and ground our bodies through our sits bones, through our pelvis on our chair by tucking your pelvis and then slowly arching your pelvis. And you just begin to wave, right? You can feel my body begin to wave. Can't you? So I'm going to tuck my pelvis. And then I'm going to arch my pelvis. I'm going to exhale, inhale as my body moves. And I'm going to allow my body to get bigger than my mind. Going to allow my body to take over this moment. I know I've got a thousand things to do, but I want to feel pleasure. I want to be in alive in this moment. And you hear it all the time from people. They say, if you had only an hour to live, would you still be doing all the to-dos? What would you do if you had an hour to live? I think we would all dance. I think we would all move and and stretch and have sex. And I think we would all do something that was embodied. I don't think we would sit here and think it. And if we did that, that's a sorry state. So (laughs) Nikki, what I would say for you right now is to create, I know you have your own morning ritual, but I'm going to ask you to add in there 
dance. Yes, (laughs) ma'am. And one of the other things that I would tell a woman who's stuck in her masculine to do is to get up to her desk and go to the, uh, if she's going to go to the coffee machine, the copy machine, the water fountain, I want her to do a hopscotch. I want her to do an eight steps of hopscotch. One, two, one, one, two, one. Just to get into that youthful, young, playful state of embodied presence. I love it. I love it. And yeah, it's when I think about where I am, it's what I call the Siamese twin. So that Mm -hmm. ego mind is what I call your Siamese twin. And and I have people do a, a practice, an actual drawing where they write down all the thoughts that she thinks or he thinks and all the controlling behaviors. And I, I realize even an example of we've moved so many times in the past month from Miami storage, London, there, here. And I, because my partner is incredibly busy with work, I naturally take over more of the house duties and things of that nature. And so my mind is always in that planning things, get it done. Da, 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 da. And then I find that I'm like, by the end of the day, I'm like, okay, well, I, I wear the pretty dresses, I wear the makeup, but I, I'm actually curious, how important do you think it is to wear feminine articles of clothing and, and soft, you know, sateen things or a cashmere wearing a red lipstick? Is that important for this embodiment or is it more in just moving the body? So there are, I believe there are what I call five layers of a soulfully sexy life. Layer number one is flatline. I have no conscious awareness of my embodiment. I am out here doing work. I'm packing kind of where you might be when you're taking over all that stuff. Um, you know, you're out of your body. The next layer is presentational, which you do very well, right? I'm going to fix myself in the morning presentationally, and then I'm going to jump into flatline. I'm going to make my hair and makeup. I'm going to put a pretty dress on because, and you're just such a gorgeous woman. It's easy for you, right? And so then I'm going to go into flatline and boom. But if you can go from flatline, conscious awareness, what does my body want to express out into the world? That's how she presents herself. That's how you present her. And number three is at animate. How do I animate my body? How do I move my body? How do I allow my body to move? Forget about me animating my body. How about if my body just wants to express herself? How do I just step back and let her dance and play and do hopscotch and rub my head and curve my body and swirl my shoulders and feel pleasure and yumminess or just celebrate like a little girl? How do I allow that freedom animation? Then there's a bridge between the external voice of your body and the internal, emotional. Who am I as an emotional creature? What, how do I identify as an everyday emotional creature? How do I identify as an everyday erotic creature? And then soulful is the fifth layer. Being totally at peace with who I am as an emotional creature, as an animated creature, and as a presentational creature, pulling the whole package together. Because we've got women in our world that are so good at presentational. We've got the Kardashians up the wahoo. They can't animate. I know I taught her. They don't know how to move. They don't know how to animate their bodies, right? Because they've only ever been seen two-dimensionally. Put this on, do the makeup, everything's animated. But then you can't get to the deeper emotional, soulful layer of peace as a feminine, sensual, erotic creature. So even Nikki, so you've got the presentational down pat. While you're doing all the stuff you're doing, here's another little piece of, of yumminess. Get a playlist playing in the background. I don't, wherever you are, I actually am going to give you the assignment. I'm going to give all your listeners the assignment to start creating a playlist of music you just love. Get the, get, and the, here's the goal. The goal is to get 50 songs on there over the course of the next six months. Get 50 songs on there and then play that sucker all the time randomly. Play it really softly in the background while you're cooking. Play it while you're taking a walk, play it in the car, let your body begin to have a toy to play with. Music for your body is like a a ball for a baby or a bone for a dog. It's something to play with, something to interact with. And that will begin to bring you into your body. So when you're packing and the music is playing, 
it will remind you to let the animated part of you pack. Because what I teach is not what, it's how, right? How you're packing, how you're sleeping and rolling over to touch him. How am I doing it? Yeah. And, and yeah. it's interesting. I'm, I'm a lover of music and I have, as I mentioned, my own S factor of play. I have many S factor playlists and I have music for when I'm cooking and I'm very much that I love, you know, a glass of wine and moving around. But I, as I'm listening, I'm being reminded beautifully that it's, I have all the practices there. It's the, how am I doing mm-hmm. the things? And the, the how I, I think is so important. I'd love to shift gears a little bit though to the Netflix documentary that you were part of. I loved it. I promoted it. You didn't ask me to. I was just like, I, I love You're this amazing. so, so much. Thank but you. there was, oh, so it was, it was called Strip Down, Rise Up. And mm-hmm. I highly, highly, highly recommend every single person listening, go watch it. It is incredible. It will probably bring up something for you because there was controversy surrounding the mm-hmm. documentary, documentary. And there were negative comments about the practices, things that you've told the teachers and students a lack of qualifications for trauma. And I've practiced with you and I can full-heartedly say those are bullshit, but I understand Mm -hmm. someone who hasn't had that embodiment practice. So I have a very different view because I've had Mm -hmm. the practices, but why do you think your work and this documentary has triggered people Mm -hmm. and has received negative press along the way? Mm. Why do I think the docu? First of all, I've seen a little bit of that, but I also saw so much rave, so, so much, much rave, rave, yeah, from all around the world. And I have am now teaching women from all around the world. Why do I think it it got a little? Uh, I feel like it's definitely the grip of a patriarchal uh, culture that believes that the only way to heal is through psychology. That the only way to, um, you know, in 1880s, Freud created psychology, right? A man created this discipline to, I guess, explain emotion and explain behavior. And there's some great viability to it. I don't want to knock therapy. It's wonderful. But there is a fear. I think that, I think S factor is just one of many, many, many different somatic embodiment practices that are coming like a wave forward, because I think everyone's beginning to see that the answer truly is through the body. So I truly believe that it is the last bastion of the masculine holding on to trying to keep trying to hold on to and control how people heal and how people find their own peace with their own being and their own body. So it it none of this bothers me because I've ne- I I've been doing this for 23 years Nikki. Trust me, I have been getting whacked from the left, from the right and upside down, inside out. I have I have gone toe to toe with the best of them. Um, Bill Riley was one of them. So, you know, no one, this is a cutting edge. It's a very cutting edge practice of women taking back 100% of themselves, healing themselves, being responsible for themselves and becoming great champions and not victims. And I feel like we are in right now. And I believe we're leaving this bizarre culture of, um, identifying as victimhood in victimhood. I think, I think there've been a lot, a lot of people that are like, you know, woe is me and I've been hurt. And that means that you should pay, take care of me and pay attention to me. And, you know, we all, I believe, I believe no one's going to save you, but you, no one's going to heal you, but you, no one's going to mommy you, but you, this is your life. This is your one shot. This is it. So please, um, know that whatever modality you use to help you heal yourself and you help you become fully expressed. Amen. God bless you. Whatever works for you. And S factor is one hell of a brilliant, like incredible tool to use to fully come into body. Couldn't agree more. So yeah. Do you plan on opening more studios? I mean, I know the pandemic shut quite a few of them. Mm. Or do you, are you shifting the business mostly online and then to the retreats that you do? 
Exactly what you just said. I am at a place in my life where I do not want to own a brick and mortar studio anymore. And what we're doing is we we have a three tier business now. And it is, I'm going to tell you like gangbusters. I don't believe it took the pandemic for me to get to where I am now, because now my reach is much, much wider. As I said, uh, the documentary has exploded this movement all over the world. And it's beautiful because um, it, it, to be, to have, that's the kind of access I want to teach in at this point in my life. You know, I've done, I've spent many, many years in small studios teaching smaller groups of women, but now my reach is much higher. So that's number one is, is I'm doing the same journey that's in the documentary, the six month journey. I'm doing it online. And it, it is, you were part of the beginner one, the, the first one, it is incredible. We're into our second one right now and we're only doing it once a year. The other thing we're doing is one retreat a year. I used to do eight retreats a year. Now I'm doing one retreat a year and I am loving, loving, loving that. And the third thing is teacher training because I want more and more and more leaders. I want more women giving this gift to other women. So those are the three tenets. And, uh, and like I said, it's, it's been, a, it's been a godsend. So no more, I will, I won't be opening a studio, but if you want to work with me, you got to work online with me or come to a retreat which I will promote to the day's end because even though I've done both, I've done in studio, which was, I mean, it's, it's a whole new experience and doing it at home and your the privacy of your own home is also another beautiful thing mm. to experience. I'd like to touch on as, as a newlywed myself, I'd like to yeah. touch on your relationship. You've been with your darling for 32 years and I really look to you 33 years. 33, yes. Right. The magic number three, 33. I would love mm -hmm. to know, I guess, what are the, I, I hate asking this, what are the secrets? Because I don't think there's any, like, as we've said, magic pill, but keeping the passion alive. Yes. I know the practices you're doing, how, mm -hmm. like, there right. must be times where he falls out of that masculine energy and polarity. Naturally, the feminine kind of steps in there. So I know it's up to you. But 33 years is a long time to grow and change yeah. and shift and relearn each new version of one another. So I'd love to know, I guess, some tips, tricks, secrets, whatever the magic yeah. pill is. But, but really, what anything you want to share on that evolution, I, I mean that's a really long time to see different versions. A of long another. time. Oh my God, Nikki, 33 years. I'm going on 33. So we did, we skipped, we went to, we hit 32 back in May, uh, April. So we're going into 33. So I always Amazing. like to kind of go ahead, but um, congratulations. Thank I'm so you. excited for you. And let me tell you something. There are three things in my life that have carved my soul and my experience on this planet. Number one was my kids having kids. Number two is the business, uh, which is another form of a child. And number three is this relationship continues to challenge me and carve my soul. Now, if you don't want your soul carved and you just want to feel good all the time, you may not want to get married because to me, marriage is marriage is choosing the depth of love and to explore the depth of love as opposed to the width of love all the different flavors, because you can actually go so deep with someone. And as a feminine creature, uh, being able to go deep with someone means that you've got to trust that person, the feminine who has been hunted all of, all of history, right? The feminine body has been hunted. You know, we need to feel safe to be able to truly surrender truly open to love and truly allow ourselves to be entered, not just vaginally, but soulfully, emotionally, every which way, and to kind of explode our, our radiant, brilliant star-spangledness star all over the place. I mean, that's key. So having that kind of trust is huge. And, you, and choosing to be married, I honor you so much because it's such a powerful powerful choice to make. I adore marriage. I love being married to this man, even though sometimes I hate him. <laughs> I love being married to this man. I love having a family. 
my own family and building my own family, even though sometimes I can't stand him. Even though sometimes he can't stand me, we can't stand. It's like, it's cyclical. It's in waves. And those waves, they do arc up, but sometimes they arc up slowly. And sometimes it's painful and difficult and challenging. But when there is this core commitment to each other and this core, and I'm going to say this word, compassion for each other. And the third word is respect for each other. So respect comes third because the, uh, the heart of compassion to me is, is so important. To understand who each, of the, who each of the other partner is. Now, before S-Factor, we were on the way down and we were probably not going to last because I was very masculine and I was constantly challenging his masculinity. And we were both playing in the field of the masculine. And I wasn't as good as he was. So I'd get even angrier and I'd bang my head harder and we'd fight harder. And it was just dismal. When I discovered that, oh my God, over here to the right, there's this entire other playing field, the playing field of the feminine where I could thrive, where I was the expert, where I could find my pleasure on my own. And when I realized that, that is when everything just went, and this was 10 years in, babe, 10 years in, and we finally went, oh, now we understand why we're together. Because there's epic love here, profound chemistry, deep soul connection, but all that noise, all that invisible shame that was in the fabric of my being and his being was in the way. So when you start getting all that crap out of the way, it was extraordinary because it also coming over to the feminine playing field and then looking back at him in the masculine playing field, I all of a sudden was like, Wow, look at that magnificent masculine being over there. Look how big he is. Look how strong he is. Look how bull-like he is. And then all I wanted to do was make him bigger and stronger and more masculine. So I, being so confident in my feminine, was able to fan the flames of his masculine instead of doing what we all have been taught to do, which is castrate castrate our masculine counterpart. Oh, you think you're tough? You don't have a very big dick. Oh, no, you're not very strong. Oh, you're not a good protector. You didn't make enough money. I mean, we we are, we can be vicious. And I've done it and I've seen it. And my biggest recommendation, and when I teach this particular, I do teach relationship and I teach the five pillars of an epic relationship. And the number one thing is to king him or crown them if you're with a woman that is masculine, crown them. Understand the masculine creature you are with the same way that you would look out your window and see a magnificent buck in your front yard with its antlers, beautiful beast. Are you going to tear it apart or are you going to be in awe? So be in awe of your masculine counterpart. Just watch what happens. Just watch. Amen. And what I love so much about this conversation and any sort of interview is mm -hmm. as you talk, I'm able to bring to mind things that I've done or not done. Or even yesterday, I made a, a, a small example. Now I realize how cutting of a remark it was where he went mm -hmm. to work and came back and he was like, he said something along the lines of, aren't you proud of me or something? I, I, mm. I, God, what was it? I, aren't you proud of me? I was out hunting all day and I was like, what are you talking about? You, you just at work. I did all the shit around Naughty the house girl. and I was Naughty like, girl. Oh shit. Yeah. And so I'm Naughty realizing, girl. I know, I know, but it's, 
this conversation has been such a beautiful reflection for me. And this is why I also love this podcast, because I'm radically honest with my audience to yeah. share that even the experts like us, we, we still fuck up. We still have days where uh -huh, we have yeah. no idea what we're doing and we fall out of the practices and we get back in them and we make mistakes and we learn and grow. And I, I think what I've taken from you having done the practices is you can always come back to them and you should always come back to them and oh, yes. just remember what it feels like. Even if you had that momentary second of bliss, what that felt like and seek yes. that. And it's, I actually did that this week where on Monday, I just had a bad day. Like it was a bad, bad, it felt like the universe was just like slapping me back and forward. And no. I, re I realized that I, I was judging myself so harshly that I couldn't take a break. I was like, nope, you got shit to do. You need to stop. And I, I was like, you know what? No, I'm pouring a glass of wine at one o'clock on the afternoon. I'm getting in bed. I'm putting a sad movie on. I'm crying. I'm releasing. And by the end of the day, uh, it fully, I was just like, oh, and here I am. And I, I felt like I'd come out of that cocoon, but I needed to give myself that permission. And that's what I'm hearing mm -hmm. over and over. It's giving yourself permission to play with yourself, touch yourself, experience that joy, that pleasure, that sensuality, and, and going into exploratory yeah. mode. Yes. And go just to build on that, experience the sadness, experience the rage through your body. Go do push-ups, do squats, go play basketball, play tennis, play pickleball, whatever it is you need to do. An emotion is the sign, the signal to take an action. So just take an action when the emotion comes up. All of this is about embodiment, all of it. It's so powerful to, to hear you talk that way and to hear you. I'm like applauding you for doing that on Monday. How brilliant is that? Yay. Good for you. Thank you. And, and one thing I would just add as well to that, as you're saying, you know, the, the emotion in the body, it's energy in motion, stuck, stuck energy. Like I know for myself, whenever I go to a soul cycle class, I will bawl my eyes out because it's that just pushing my body to the brink, the same as yeah. the embodiment practices that you teach. And so Sheila, this has been a phenomenal, delicious, juicy, mm -hmm. sensational conversation. And I, I want to thank you for your presence and for you teaching this work. Where can people Absolutely. find you? What would you like to share or promote or any last nuggets? Uh you know what? They can find me on Instagram at uh, follow S Factor, follow Sheila Kelly S. And they can Which find we'll put in the show notes. Awesome. Go to sfactor.com and get on the wait list uh, for the next six month journey, which is next year, or come to the retreat with me. Amazing. Yeah. Sheila, thank you so much. What a beautiful soul you are. Ah, it's always so good to talk to you and see a beautiful creature you are. I'm, and married. What? <laughs> Yay, you and me. I, I would show you mine. I'm I'm not wearing it and my nails are ratchet. I'm about to go get them done. So <laughs> <laughs>